0: The function of Bentham's panopticon was to observe the inmates from the outside and it did not have, uh, here's Hans quote, access to inner thoughts or needs. The controlling without seeming to control of the digital panopticon via symbiotic wanting, you know, we want connection as the user, Uh, the platforms want uh, the data to sell us advertising makes it much more effective than the potential physical observations of the prison setting. You know, that's limited. It's just uh, what their bodies are doing. There's no big brother seizing our information, quote, from us against our will, because instead, quote, we lay ourselves bare voluntarily. That's Han. In a sleight of hand, the power dynamics of surveillance become automated by the user who willfully shares. Consciousness, the notion of the self, personality structure, transactional analysis, symbiosis, Zen Buddhism, teacher-student relationship, training yourself in how to think. To subvert is to undermine the existing system of inscribed power and authority. What's happening in the digital space? The virtual world. Much of us live in a hyper-stimulated present where language itself has become the info currency in the sequence of corporate capitalism. The injunction of the virtual world is don't, don't, don't. don't the gatekeepers of our speech don't, don't, and written word are global tech monopolies. We cannot transcend or go beyond our lack through craving. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? The Subversive Therapist is about what the virtual world is doing to us and what we can do about it. Welcome to The Subversive Therapist. I'm Andrew Archer. Today I wanted to read some stuff I wrote on the Panopticon and then what Han calls the digital panopticon. So I'm gonna read through this. I'm gonna kind of read somewhat quickly and just put the references in the description for the podcast, maybe not necessarily uh, quoting every citation here. Uh, So I'll start with a quote from Byung-Chul Han in his book, In the Swarm. He says, every click that one makes is stored. Every step that one takes can be traced. We leave digital tracks everywhere. Our digital life is reflected point to point in the net. The possibility of logging each and every aspect of life is replacing trust with complete control. Big Brother has ceded the throne to big data. The total recording of life is bringing the society of transparency to completion. So in the 18th century, Jeremy Bentham designed a conceptual prison called the Panopticon. The design was a circular structure with the interior consisting of multiple levels of prison cells, prison cells in a ring shape. So I showed this to my um, preschool meditation students, and I used the prayer bowl uh, as a representation of the circular structure. And then the The pillow that it sits on basically looks like a donut, and so I set the donut inside and stack it. Say these are the cells within um, the structure. So it's a a circle, and the cells can be on each floor with a window into each cell or its glass. Each cell houses uh, one inmate, so the prisoners are physically sequestered and unable to communicate with each other. There is an overseeing watchtower in the middle of the circular structure which provides a direct line of sight for the warden to view all the physical activity of the inmates. So then I put the meditation striker in the center of the bowl and that represents the tower that can see into any of these cells at any time. The cells are open to the view of the control tower with separating walls that assure the inmates cannot see each other. This imposed social isolation and constant physical exposure to the gaze of the warden Allows for self improvement via discipline. So that's the idea behind Bentham's concept is that people thinking they're being watched all the time or potentially being watched, they would act uh, better and more appropriately. There are only observations of the outer behavior of inmates who are silent and voiceless, this is according to Hahn, their thoughts remain hidden. So it's just the body that can be viewed. Uh, They're not. There's no recording equipment in the cells. They can't you know, hear what they're saying, that kind of thing. The inmates are entirely exposed, i.e. every corner of the cell uh, is visible, to the overseer's gaze in the observation tower because the overseer can see everyone and everything without being seen. So the warden is invisible to the inmates. So only the, the silhouette of the warden can be seen within the central tower, so you don't know if they're watching you or not. Uh, According to Han, in in the inmate's mind, the warden is omnipresent. This is him saying they cannot know if they are being observed at any given moment, lest they feel constantly gazed upon, even if the overseer is not present. The dominance of the gaze rests on a central perspective, so that's the tower that can look uh, at any of the cells at any time. And this is in contrast with the the virtual world. That's the setup for this here. In the virtual world, we are watching others and being watched ourselves. The aim is to go, quote unquote, viral, which means to be hyper visible or beyond perspectiveness. Virality means one is so popular that others often do not necessarily know how they know about the person's virality. You know, it's instant uh, celebrity kind of stuff. Online, to be canceled is to be invisibilized or unseen, forgotten. It's like putting a, a sheet over the, the front of your cell. Nobody can see in or experience what you're doing. What is lost within the competition for attentional notoriety is the gaze of the other. We are looking at and being looked at by machines, not people. Desi- despite everyone watching everyone else, no gaze is sustained. There are only digital writings and recordings of writings based on written codes. So now we move into the digital panopticon, and here's another quote from Hahn from the Transparency Society. The society of control achieves perfection when subjects bear themselves not through outer constraint, but through self-generated need. That is, when the fear of having to abandon one's private and intimate sphere yields to the need to put oneself on display without shame." So it's like fear of missing out, you know, that drives you internally to look, to look at other people, what they're doing, to share what you're doing, etc. So Hahn contrasts the original Panopticon design with what he calls the digital Panopticon. This concept represents what we've referred to as the virtual world. So the digital panopticon does not feel like surveillance to us, and we do not resist it because, as Hahn notes, we feel free. Thus gaze is the differentiating factor between the panopticon prison design and the digital panopticon. So Hahn goes on, the absence of a repressive gaze creates, and this is a decisive difference from the surveillance strategy of the disciplinary society, a deceptive sense of freedom, The inmates of the digital panopticon do not feel gazed upon, that is, under surveillance. So they feel free and expose themselves voluntarily. The digital panopticon does not restrict freedom, it exploits it. So then I write, the virtual world does not come with a gaze. According to Hahn, for example, computer windows are windows with no view, as they completely shield us from a gaze. Because every user is an other and all users are the audience within the network, there is no other who gazes upon us. There is no gaze in a Zoom meeting, merely an awkward silence. The central tower of the digital panopticon is full awareness without a blind spot in the visual field. This form of screening, according to Han, operates a So it's not like the warden sitting in the tower. We have everyone being the warden and being inmates describing what's going on in their own heads, what they're physically doing, that kind of thing. So the subjects are, according to Han, illuminated from all sides, even from the inside. We reflect our own self, our thoughts with self-expression, follows, likes, shares, subscriptions, with our digital profiles and avatars. The concept of the physical panopticon was for isolation of the inmates and therefore an inability for them to speak to one another. This exclusion quality made for Han's note here, thorough surveillance by way of a central point of observation. In contrast, the users of the virtual world engage in lively communication and have themselves, or excuse me, engage in lively communication and bear themselves of their own free will. In this sense, the user is in active collaboration with the digital panopticon. So nobody's forcing us to be on there. This is voluntary. There are no central optics of perspective with the digital panopticon. It's a total human record inside and out. So it's much more efficient to get everyone just to digitize all aspects of experience rather than forcing people heavy-handed, you know, you have to do this or you'll be in trouble or whatever. It's it's not that traditional form of totalitarianism. So it's a society of control. Uh, This is from the Transparency Society by Han. Consumers voluntarily give themselves over to panoptic surveillance that steers and satisfies their needs. On this score, social media prove no different from panoptic machines. Communication and commerce, freedom and control collapse into one. So unlike the inmates, the user of the virtual world voluntarily communicates via self-disclosure and self-exposure. The symbiotic form of power and control occurs by way of an inner compulsion to share, connect, purchase, and produce. This promotes an illusion of free will and autonomy online. The social media industry increasingly keeps watch over all things social by way of encouraging us to be both an inmate and warden of the system. We put ourselves on display and lay ourselves bare. This form of hypercommunication ensures total transparency. As Han points out, the efficiency of the digital panopticon is based on us surrendering our data, not under duress so much as offered out of an inner need. So that's where power uh, is represented by mediating uh, others internally. Our active participation in the virtual world contrasts with the imprisonment of the inmates in the panopticon. We engage in the constant construction and configuration of the digital panopticon. And this is Han saying its inhabitants actively take part in building and maintaining it by exhibiting and exposing themselves. Freedom and control coincide, just as the transparent user is at once perpetrator and victim. Everyone joins in to build the panopticon of the digital network. So what's happening, according to William I. Robinson, is we're building a global police state. Uh, Think of what happened on January 6th. Uh, in terms of the, the mob at the Capitol in the United States, what happens afterwards. Uh, everybody joins in with these, um, these legal uh, criminal charges for people, and because all the information of where they were, their cell phone data, the stuff they shared online, everything, everybody jumps in uh, to make sure they're you know, imprisoned, fined, etc., because of this network that's already in place. So my question is, how is this done? Han notes the desire to track ourselves produces the data for the digital prison. So he says, by exposing ourselves, by hooking ourselves up and voluntarily uploading our body-related data to the net, like the millions of devotees of the quantified self movement, we actually maintain the digital panopticon This new form of rule does not force us to be silent. Rather, it constantly asks us to communicate, to participate, to express our opinions, desires, wishes, and preferences, even to narrate our lives. So the function of Bentham's panopticon was to observe the inmates from the outside, and it did not have, uh, here's Hans' quote, access to inner thoughts or needs. The controlling without seeming to control of the digital panopticon via symbiotic wanting You know, we want connection as the user. Uh, The platforms want uh, the data to sell us advertising. It makes it much more effective than the potential physical observations of the prison setting. You know, that's limited. It's just uh, what their bodies are doing. There is no big brother seizing our information, quote, from us against our will, because instead, quote, we lay ourselves bare voluntarily. That's Han. In a sleight of hand, the power dynamics of surveillance become automated by the user who willfully shares. So Han says, The warden of Bentham's panopticon can only observe the inmates physically. He does not know what goes on inside them. He cannot read their minds. In the digital panopticon, by contrast, it is possible to access the thoughts of the inhabitants. That is what makes the digital panopticon so efficient and is what makes possible the psychopolitical control of society. We become the... And here I'm referencing the book, The Memory Police, which I talked about in in Series 1. We become the disappearing objects of the island, the enforcement of disappearance, i.e. the memory police, and the citizens who end up disappearing all in one. So we're we're following a sort of ideology. We're promoting it. We're managing it uh, as we ourselves are the commodity within this whole process because we are a so-called user of the virtual world and you know to use that term user uh, richard seymour says that's like calling a, a cocaine addict a, a quote-unquote user um really limiting in our understanding of what's going on so han notes that there's the, a deceptive sense of autonomy and freedom which makes us feel free to expose ourselves voluntarily Freedom is not repressed or restricted, as in the totalitarian form of the physical panopticon. It is exploited by an internal drive to express. So he says, the digital society of control makes intensive use of freedom. It is only possible thanks to voluntary self-illumination and self-exposure. It exploits freedom. The society of control achieves perfection when its inhabitants do not communicate because of external constraint, but out of inner need. That is, when the fear of giving up a private and intimate sphere yields to the need to put oneself on display shamelessly. So this is uh, one of his chapter titles is called The Recorded Life. Uh, and here's a quote from the Transparency Society from Han. Today the entire globe is developing into a panopticon. There is no outside space. The panopticon is becoming total. No wall separates inside from outside. Google and social networks, which present themselves as spaces of freedom, are assuming panoptic forms. Today's surveillance is not occurring as an attack on freedom, as is normally assumed. Instead, people are voluntarily surrendering to the panoptic gaze. They deliberately collaborate in the digital panopticon by denuding and exhibiting themselves. The prisoner in the digital panopticon is a perpetrator and a victim at the same time. Herein lies the dialectic of freedom freedom turns out to be a form of control. In the book The Twittering Machine, Richard Seymour points out that when it comes to the social media industry, they have managed to combine the, quote, hype, button-pushing, faddishness, and the volatility of the financial markets with the Panopticon effect to addict us and rake in the profits. According to Seymour, the Panopticon teaches us that we, quote, conform with dominant norms. So the, the same repeats the same, is what Han would say. Currently, Russia bad, Ukraine good. That, may, that makes for maximum velocity of, of information when you, when you have that simple frame of reference. The Digital Panopticon uses, quote, mechanisms of observation and manipulation that are designed without any assumption of psychological self-determination. Conformity disappears into the machine in order of stimulus response, cause and effect. That's end quote from Seymour. The potential observation at any time within online communities produces a strong pressure towards conformity with the values and mores of one's peers. So because we um, are trying to go viral online, you know, the whole Internet could be our audience. Uh, you end up staying within these these uh, frames of reference. Um, you don't go outside the line, so to speak. So here's a quote from Seymour. But even pure conformity is no safeguard because anyone can see into it. The potential audience for anything posted on the Internet is the entire Internet. The only way to conform successfully on the Internet is to be unutterably bland and platitudinous. The hook is that at every waking moment, and this is me here, and maybe in our dreams too, we are inundated with so-called useful information without having to think, remember, or ask for the information. We feed the digital panopticon via performative self-exhibition and by shining light on every part of our lives with an internal urge to be on display. The virtual world starts to resemble a personalized form of self-totalitarianism as direct access of the unconscious is freely given. The stuff that we want, uh, are needing, is all there. The machine instrumentally calculates guides and makes decisions for us based on the acquired data. For example, and this is pulling from Han, what restaurant we want to eat at, the bar we want to drink at, or the concert hall we want to be seated in. But who decided the wants? Han points out the totalitarian traits of the digital panopticon as it hands the user quote over to programming and control the physical panopticon was a form of biological power as it aimed to discipline the body through isolation by contrast the digital panopticon is a psychological power it aims to predict and cultivate the internal aspects of mind i.e the prospect of reading and controlling thoughts han calls this form of internal mediation psycho power And he says, psychopower is more efficient than biopower insofar as it watches over controls and influences human beings not from outside, but from inside. Based on this analogy, Han invites us to meditate on how we want to live. Here's a quote from him. Do we want to continue to give ourselves up to total surveillance and total exploitation and thus forfeit our freedom and our dignity? Do we continue, and this is referencing the book The Circle by Dave Eggers, Eggers, Do we continue like may to complete the circle of knowing all information by digital categorization and storage of data are we able to stop stop enforcing the laws of hyperindividualism, i.e the part of us that wants is a solid form of who we are that's the ideology of it uh, according to me so are we able to stop enforcing these laws as the the virtual memory police is the question Richard Seymour concludes the Twittering machine by asking the reader what would happen if we exited the social media industry in exchange to just be. And here's his final sentences from the book. What if we are not in the know? What if our reveries were not productive? What if, in deliberate abdication of our smartphones, we strolled in the park with nothing but a notepad and a nice pen? What if we sat in, the, in a church and closed our eyes? What if we lay back on a lily lily pad with nothing to do? Would someone call the police? So I thought that was a nice way to end um, the writing because uh, we have become uh, the police, you know, internally as we watch over everyone. Uh, but like this, this contrast makes clear the physical panopticon; it's an actual structure and you actually can't leave uh, you're gazed upon but with the virtual world uh, we feel free but we're building a structure in a sense by digitizing all aspects of physical reality so 99 percent of all of human history is recorded in a digital language it's online it's stored it's archived uh, but what are the consequences of this of course we talked in series one about this chronic anxiety because we're able to, quote, know everything all the time, but then when we're not connected to the devices, you know, it's a very uh, much a dependency contract because we're in this symbiotic relationship, then we feel empty, we feel a terror like May in the the book, uh, The Circle. So again, it doesn't feel like we're being surveilled feels like we have autonomy to do whatever we want, because, but because it's totalizing uh, information into a basically a central place where governments and corporations have access to all this data, we're imprisoned uh, in the same way because retroactively you can have access to basically all behavior of every person, throughout uh just about the entire globe but certainly in the united states all activity is recorded and it's just written down you know it's like a parent following around a kid writing down everything um they're doing but it's more sophisticated than that because it's actually our our thoughts our kind of internal experience uh that's expressed online so it's not just our our physical bodies and of course the the machine doesn't really care about our physical bodies, other than if it produces more data uh, for the machine itself. So it doesn't mean doesn't matter, care if we're we have terminal cancer, or we're dying, we're atrophying, or we're obese or anything. It just is an amoral process of gathering more data that feeds uh, this advertising. Um, Mechanism to sell us back more things to buy, to want, etc. So that's the Panopticon. Of course, there's lots of information online about the original Panopticon, but Han, I think, makes some really astute points about this uh, with his concept of the digital Panopticon because everything is illuminated all the time. And it's a transparency society, just like in the book The Circle, where the aspirations are to go clear. Uh, carrying around a recording device that's live streamed all the time is what happens in the book. And that was a novel written in 2013. So it's interesting how far we've come. And then, you know, when we get to the end of this spectrum of, uh, virtual reality, it's the metaverse, uh, where you're quite literally, um, tracked in a total form, uh, kind of imprisoned, by this uh, virtual space because essentially the whole body uh would be tracked uh all at once again to predict behavior to to uh herd people in a certain direction to certain stores etc um, and the other thing to just step back from all this is that everything you see online of course is based on self-promotion and people typically selling you things like if I can ever get this book published, I'll I'll certainly sell that on here. Uh, But advertising and propaganda are the same thing. I'm reading uh, Edward Bernays' book, Propaganda, uh, and it's all about changing people's attitudes but making them think that they're making these decisions autonomously that, oh, I want to buy that car or I want to get this book or these new pair of jeans or whatever it is. Uh, It's about changing the uh, consciousness of kind of the public mind so you can think of everything you see as propaganda like I was just looking at the New York Times I didn't really have time to read through it uh, the other night but I just kind of stepped back and thought of it okay this is if this is all propaganda what are they uh, what's their kind of MO what's going on here and it was an article about cryptocurrency and that each uh subheading for the within the article was questions um as if you, as if the the reader was talking to the writer while they were writing it and it was basically like we're all a bunch of idiots so so break it down to a, for us what is cryptocurrency what are all these constructs is like uh we're completely passive we can't attain this information on our own uh that's really how um the virtual world is seeing the quote unquote user as this passive conformist can't think for themselves you know requiring expert advice etc so just think about that as you're as you're consuming news or information that is actually propaganda meaning trying to change our attitudes things are framed in a certain way so i think i'll leave it there uh, thanks so much for listening again i'm the subversive therapist, Andrew Archer. Talk to you soon.